welcome to the Oncology on Air podcast. I am Dr. Prashant. This is part 2 of our series on T cell lymphoma in which we will talk about aggressive T cell neoplasms. Adult T cell lymphoma leukemia is associated with the HTLV1 infection prevalent in endemic areas such as the Caribbean basin and southwestern Japan. The cumulative incidence of ATLL among HTLV1 carriers is 2.5% in Japan and transmission can occur through breast milk and blood products malignant cells exhibit a distinct clover leaf appearance are cd7 negative and mostly cd4 positive and cd8 negative additionally they are cd25 positive as well clinical variants include acute chronic and smoldering types each with varying presentations and prognosis opportunistic infections such as strongyloides are common and survival times differ among different variants asymptomatic patients with the smoldering or chronic type can be closely monitored intensive chemotherapy like the vcap amp vecp regimen is considered for young fit patients with acute subtypes in this chemotherapeutic regimen VCAP stands for vincristin, cyclophosphamide, doxorubicin and prednisone. AMP, doxorubicin, ranimustin and prednisone. While VECP stands for vindesin, etoposide, carboplatin and prednisone. A phase 3 trial by the Japan Clinical Oncology Group favored this regimen over CHOP14 showing a more favorable complete response rate 40% versus 25%. and a 3 year overall survival of 24% versus 13% although the toxicity was high in patients receiving this intensive regimen relapse rates are high and transplantation should be considered for relapsed patients studies with zidobudine and interferon in untreated patients show promising response rates and median overall survival mogamulizumab targeting ccr4 demonstrated an overall response rate of 50% including 8 complete remissions with a median progression free survival of 5.2 months and overall survival of 13.7 months in a phase 2 study common side effects of mogamulizumab includes lymphopenia neutropenia thrombocytopenia infusion reactions and skin rashes peripheral t cell lymphoma not otherwise specified systemic anaplastic large cell lymphoma and angioimmunoblastic t cell lymphoma collectively account for 66% of all peripheral t cell lymphoma cases worldwide we will now talk about peripheral t cell lymphoma not otherwise specified ptcl nos is the most common subgroup globally and serves as the default category for mature t cell neoplasms that do not fit into the specific who classifications typically presenting in advanced stages ptcl nos exhibits a diverse morphologic spectrum with a 5 year overall survival ranging from 20% to 30% treatment involves chop like therapy and the addition of etoposide demonstrates extended event free survival in certain patient groups recent therapeutic approaches for relapsed ptcl nos include pralatrexate 
with the Propel study indicating an overall response rate of 29%. Romidepsin, a histone deacetylase inhibitor, gained FDA approval in 2011 with an overall response rate of 25%. Belinostat, another histone deacetylase inhibitor, received FDA approval for relapsed PTCL patients. Brentuximab vedotin, an anti-CD30 antibody drug conjugate, exhibited an overall response rate of 86% in relapsed or refractory disease, leading to FDA approval in 2011. In PTCL-NOS, ALK-negative ALCL and angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma, there is a noticeable trend towards improved 3-year event-free survival with the addition of etoposide in young patients, as we spoke earlier. Addition of etoposide to CHOP may be considered as initial therapy and for eligible patients, upfront consolidation with high-dose chemotherapy along with autologous stem cell transplant. Ongoing studies aim to explore the application of newer chemotherapies and targeted agents in various clinical scenarios. We will now talk about angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma and nodal lymphomas of T-follicular helper cell origin. Angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma stands as a well-defined and distinct peripheral T-cell lymphoma subtype distinguished by unique pathobiologic features. Notable morphologic characteristics include an expanded CD21 positive follicular dendritic cell network and prominent arborizing high endothelial venules or HEV. The neoplastic cells in AITL are mature CD4 positive CD8 negative T cells expressing most pan T cell antigens. Cases often exhibit EBV positive B cells with reported occurrences of EBV positive DLBCL. The cell of origin is believed to be the follicular helper T cell characterized by T cells expressing CD10, BCL6 and CXCL13 positivity supported by gene expression profiling studies. Sequencing studies highlight enrichment in mutations of TET2, IDH2, DNMT3A and CD28 for this peripheral T-cell lymphoma subtype. Patients typically in their 6th or 7th decade present with advanced stage disease often accompanied by B symptoms and hepatosplenomegaly. Initially perceived as a form of immune dysregulation, angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma exhibits polyclonal gammopathy and other hematologic abnormalities including Coombs positive hemolytic anemia reflecting B cell dysregulation. Opportunistic infections can arise due to the underlying immunodeficiency. Survival rates parallel those in PTCL NOS around 30% at 5 years. However, a subset of patients may experience a more indolent course. Primary therapy usually involves CHOP or CHOP along with etoposide, and while response rates are high, Relapse is frequent and infectious complications pose challenges. Various immunomodulatory agents such as cyclosporin, lenalidomide, thalidomide and interferon have been explored due to poor outcomes with conventional therapy. Cyclosporin demonstrated a 67% overall response rate 
and a median duration of response of 13 months in a study focusing on relapsed refractory angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma. Histone deacetylase inhibitors such as vorinostator, romidepsin and brentuximab vedotin have shown improved activity in relapsed angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma compared to other PTCL subtypes especially given the usual CD30 positive nature of infiltrating B immunoblasts. Follicular T-cell lymphoma and nodal PTCL with the T helper follicular phenotype although distinct shares genetic abnormalities with AITL and display an aggressive clinical course similar to angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma. We will now talk about systemic anaplastic large cell lymphoma. ALCL is characterized by large CD30 positive anaplastic cells exhibiting a preference for a sinusoidal growth pattern. The World Health Organization classification delineates systemic anaplastic large cell lymphoma from primary cutaneous ALCL which we spoke about in the first part of this episode. Systemic anaplastic large cell lymphoma are further classified into two categories ALK positive and ALK negative. ALK positive ALCL cases are linked to a distinctive chromosomal translocation translocation 25 leading to the formation of a fusion gene NPM ALK which encodes a chimeric protein featuring tyrosine kinase activity. Immunostaining for the ALK protein reveals an expression in 60-85% of all systemic ALCL cases with a higher prevalence observed in the pediatric and young adult age groups. We will now talk about ALK positive anaplastic large cell lymphoma which morphologically exhibits a distinctive hallmark cell characterized by eccentric horseshoe shaped or kidney shaped nuclei. Alongside strong CD30 expression ALK positive ALCL typically shows positivity for epithelial membrane antigen and cytotoxic markers granzyme B, perforin and TIA1. Numerous studies have established that patients with ALK positive ALCL experience a more favorable prognosis with anthracycline based chemotherapy compared to those with ALK negative ALCL and other peripheral T cell lymphomas as well as DLBCL particularly in the pre-rituximab treatment era. This improved outcome is attributed at least in part to the young age and low risk features often present at the time of diagnosis in systemic anaplastic large cell lymphoma. The International T-Cell Lymphoma Project confirmed the superior outcome of ALK positive anaplastic large cell lymphoma in comparison to ALK negative ALCL, showing a 5 year overall survival of 60% versus 49% for ALK positive and ALK negative ALCL respectively. When limiting the comparison to patients under the age of 40, no difference in survival was observed. A retrospective analysis of ALCL patients from the GELA studies focusing on those under the age of 40 reported that ALK status has no impact on progression-free survival or overall survival. Given the favorable outcomes with anthracycline-based chemotherapy, CHOP-like therapy is established for ALK-positive anaplastic large cell lymphoma. Subset analysis from the German high-grade lymphoma study group Prospective Studies identified a notably favorable outcome 
among ALK-positive ALCL patients treated with CHOP along with etoposide, with a 3-year event-free survival of 92%. In a recent randomized phase 3 trial, the addition of brentuximab vedotin to cyclophosphamide, doxorubicin, and prednisone, CHP, demonstrated an improved progression-free survival and overall survival compared to standard CHOP therapy, making brentuximab, vedotin, and CHP, which is again cyclophosphamide, doxorubicin, and prednisone, the standard frontline therapy for both ALK-positive and ALK-negative anaplastic large cell lymphoma. Chrysotinib and other ALK tyrosine kinase inhibitors, FDA approved for ALK-positive non-small cell lung cancer, have shown significant clinical activity in patients with multiple relapses in the ALK-positive setting, offering an alternative for those refractory to chemotherapy and brentuximab vedotin. We will now talk about ALK-negative ALCL, which typically presents in older patients and shares clinical features with peripheral T-cell lymphoma not otherwise specified, displaying variability in extranodal disease sites. Histologically, distinguishing ALK-negative ALCL from the common pattern of ALK-positive ALCL is challenging without the presence of the ALK protein. Previous debates suggested grouping ALK-negative ALCL with peripheral T-cell lymphoma not otherwise specified due to perceived similar outcomes. But recent insights reveal distinctions in pathology, genetics and prognosis. Comparisons with peripheral T-cell lymphoma not otherwise specified indicate ALK-negative ALCL's more favorable 5-year failure-free survival of 36% versus 20% and overall survival 49% versus 32%. Gene expression studies highlight unique signatures for ALK-negative ALCL with subsets like DUSP22 IRF4 rearrangements indicating superior outcomes akin to ALK-positive ALCL, while TP63 rearrangements signal poorer prognosis. Despite better survival than peripheral T-cell lymphoma NOS, ALK-negative ALCL remains less favorable than ALK-positive cases especially in the absence of DUSP22 IRF4 rearrangement. As mentioned previously, the combination of brentuximab, vedotin, cyclophosphamide, doxorubicin and prednisone is recommended as initial therapy following evidence from a randomized trial showing its superiority over CHOP. For ALK-negative patients, particularly for those with DUSP22 IRF4 rearrangement, Upfront consolidation with high-dose chemotherapy and autologous stem cell transplantation is generally considered. Brentuximab vedotin demonstrates high efficacy in the relapsed refractory setting if not included in frontline therapy. To conclude our discussion on anaplastic large cell lymphoma, we will briefly delve into breast implant-associated anaplastic large cell lymphoma. This typically manifests as unexplained seroma or capsule thickening involving the implant capsule without invading breast tissue or forming discrete masses. Almost always localized, the tumor cells are CD30 positive and ALK negative. They either float in the effusion fluid or embed in tissue, notably sparing breast parenchyma, infiltrating the implant cavity rather than the breast tissue directly. 
linked to both saline and silicone implants it predominantly occurs in textured rather than smooth surfaces total capsulectomy is recommended considering bilateral implant removal for reported cases despite its association with implants alk negative anaplastic large cell lymphoma in this context often follows an indolent course with a favorable prognosis observation post implant and capsule removal is generally sufficient without the need for adjuvant therapy while some cases may exhibit distinct breast masses and require classification as typical systemic anaplastic large cell lymphoma alk negative and therefore managed accordingly with brentuximab vedotin along with chp in the first line we will now talk about extranodal natural killer t cell lymphoma extranodal natural killer t cell lymphoma nasal type exhibits notable variation in racial and geographic distribution with the majority of cases concentrated in asia primarily affecting males aged 40 to 50 years tumor cells demonstrate angio invasion and prominent necrosis reflecting natural killer cell derivation and circulating ebv in peripheral blood serves as a monitoring method although often localized these lymphomas may be extensively invasive with advanced stage disease occurring in less than 20% of cases while primarily nasal tumors can also manifest at extranasal sites potentially indicating a more aggressive course the 5 year overall survival for nasal stage 1 to 2 is approximately 50% contrasting with 15% for extranasal sites corresponding estimates for stage 3 and 4 are 30% and less than 10% respectively a korean index incorporating b symptoms stage regional lymph nodes ldh and performance status aids in prognostication patients are categorized into four risk groups no risk factors one risk factor two risk factors and three or four risk factors with distinct 5 year overall survival rates radiotherapy especially at high doses in the frontline setting yields favorable outcomes for localized cases concurrent chemotherapy often using platinum based regimens act as a radio sensitizer chop therapy has shown disappointing results concurrent radiation and cisplatin followed by three cycles of vipd which is etoposide iphosphamide cisplatin and dexamethasone demonstrate high response rates in nasal natural killer t cell lymphoma for advanced stage disease l aspergines and the smile regimen which is steroid which is dexamethasone methotrexate iphosphamide l aspergines and etoposide have emerged as active agents with high dose chemotherapy and autologous stem cell transplantation considered for consolidation in advanced stages pembrolizumab shows promising activity in relapsed refractory cases warranting further investigation let's move on to natural killer cell leukemia aggressive natural killer cell leukemia a rare form of leukemia is predominantly associated with ebv infection and has a median survival of only 3 months this leukemia is more prevalent amongst asians with an average age of onset of 42 years 
Typically, bone marrow and peripheral blood along with the liver and spleen are involved. Patients commonly experience fever, constitutional symptoms and multi-organ failure often accompanied by coagulopathy and hemophagocytic syndrome. Whether aggressive natural killer cell leukemia represents the leukemic phase of extranodal natural killer T-cell lymphoma is unclear. Unfortunately, there is no known curative therapy and responses to chemotherapy are usually short-lived. L-asparaginase-based treatments have shown some encouraging results similar to those observed in patients with extranodal natural killer T-cell lymphoma, but further study is required. We will now talk about certain uncommon aggressive peripheral T-cell lymphoma subtypes. We'll begin with subcutaneous paniculitis-like T-cell lymphoma. This is a rare peripheral T-cell lymphoma subtype infiltrating subcutaneous tissue with the gamma-delta phenotype cases having a poorer prognosis than the alpha-beta phenotype. Optimal therapy remains uncertain with durable responses observed using CHOP and immunosuppressive agents. Radiation therapy is recommended for localized disease. The next uncommon aggressive peripheral T-cell lymphoma subtype is hepatosplenic T-cell lymphoma, mainly affecting young men with hepatosplenomegaly and bone marrow involvement. Often associated with systemic B symptoms, it can occur post-immunosuppression, including after organ transplantation or certain medications. Prognosis is poor and CHOP chemotherapy is not curative. Some reports suggest better outcomes with high-dose cytarabine-based strategies and allogeneic stem cell transplantation. The next uncommon aggressive PTCL subtype is enteropathy-associated T-cell lymphoma and monomorphic epitheliotrophic intestinal T-cell lymphoma. Previously considered variants of enteropathy-associated T-cell lymphoma now recognized as distinct. Enteropathy-associated T-cell lymphoma is associated with celiac disease occurring mainly in the Northern European heritage, while monomorphic epitheliotrophic intestinal T-cell lymphoma has no celiac association and occurs in Asian and Hispanic populations. Both involve the jejunum or ileum and present with abdominal pain. Prognosis is poor due to chemotherapy resistance. Enteropathy-associated T-cell lymphoma cells are polymorphous CD3 and CD7 positive, CD4 and CD8 negative, although they may be CD8 positive, CD56 negative, alpha-beta T-cells. In contrast, Cells of the monomorphic epitheliotrophic intestinal T-cell lymphoma, CD3 positive, CD4 negative, CD8 positive, CD56 positive, gamma delta cells. Studies show disappointing results with CHOP type therapy, prompting exploration of high-dose chemotherapy with autologous stem cell transplantation. We will now talk about the role of transplantation in peripheral T-cell lymphomas. Retrospective studies have evaluated upfront transplantation in PTCL, but interpretation is challenging due to diverse patient populations, potential selection bias, and limited intention to treat data. The Nordic Lymphoma Study Group conducted a large prospective trial in 160 PTCL patients, excluding ALK positive ALCL. Results indicated a five year progression free survival of 44% 
and 5-year overall survival of 51% post-transplantation. ALK negative ALCL patients showed a superior 5-year progression-free survival of 61%. High-dose chemotherapy and autologous stem cell transplantation is the standard of care for relapsed refractory patients who haven't undergone upfront transplant consolidation. Salvage rates range from 18 to 60% for relapsed patients. Myeloablative or reduced intensity conditioning allogeneic stem cell transplantation has shown promise yielding durable remission in many cases. However, it is limited by donor availability and graft-versus-host disease-related toxicity. Graft-versus-PTCL effect is observed in studies with donor lymphocyte infusions. We will conclude this discussion with a brief mention of three currently FDA-approved agents for relapsed refractory cases. The first is pralatrexate, a novel folate analogue with enhanced cellular uptake. The PROPEL study showed an overall response rate of 29% with complete remission in 11% in relapsed refractory peripheral T-cell lymphoma, leading to FDA approval in 2009. Notably, it may not be as effective in angioimmunoblastic T-cell lymphoma, where other agents like histone deacetylase inhibitors and brentuximab vedotin are preferred. Romidepsin, a histone deacetylase inhibitor which has been tried in both cutaneous and peripheral T-cell lymphomas, showed in a phase 2b study with 130 patients with relapsed or refractory PTCL an overall response rate of 25%, complete remission in 15%, with a median duration of response of 17 months, leading to its FDA approval in 2011. Finally, Belinostat, another histone deacetylase inhibitor, was FDA approved in 2014 for relapsed refractory peripheral T-cell lymphoma showing similar activity to Romidepsin. With that, we have come to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening.